And I'm, it's not a criticism. I'm genuinely just interested in what the thought process was as opposed to I'll get one light in the room. as I know, fuck it, I'll get five. Yeah, I think it was the the designer and it was having them spaced in between the panels. I guess until they're in, you don't know how it's going to, Yeah, you know. But, so the design, it was the designer's suggestion. Yeah, to have right. these spanks of... Spanks. <laughs> spanks of lights. And it's that kind of thing. I think the difference between... I think it's just, yeah, then you can angle them. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out I put the power of the sun. <laughs> oh, can't see the screen. <laughs> but I will say... Get the lotion. <laughs> it has been good for when there's been video shot. Yes. Yeah. So, you know... And I'll make up that seven grand at some point. Welcome to episode one, season one. I like series. Series. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a British 90s boy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So. Series one, episode one. This is the Mixed Forge podcast. What is that, Ben? Well, me and you, we're here at the old Blacksmith Studios. This is our home away from home, where we have our work extramarital affair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I thought it would be good to kind of do a long form thing about who we are and what the bloody hell we're doing here and what we're doing here because we're still doing it yeah. all these years later yeah. and I think what we do is kind of quite interesting there's a market I for, think for people who would find it interesting yeah you know and I think even people we've worked not, with here, Not my wife, no. no. <laughs> she will not be subscribing. <laughs> this is another my reason children, no. you're out of the house not bringing home money. <laughs> Shh. I'm working, okay? <laughs> but I think even for people we've worked with, actually there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that they don't see, you know, when they're not in tracking. Or maybe there's things we do that they're not, they're not familiar with what, like why we do things a certain way and what that kind of ultimately leads to in the end product. I thought we'd just do a little bit of a thing. and But I thought to start off with, first off, is kind of who are we? And we are the old Blacksmith Studios and we are in Portsmouth, in south coast of the lovely UK. Um, the studio's been around a while, hasn't it, Neil? Mm. I, from what I'm aware, because you and me are not the originals. No. Not the OG OBs. They are good. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 2000, I think. I think I've seen, I think I saw a poster or something saying established 2000. 2000 or 2001 for me. That's what, yeah, I recall. So, for, for as much as I know, it, uh, Rich Tamblin. 
the original owner, along with Mark... Mark Denny. Denny. I was going to say Devitt, but that is another friend That's of ours. That's another Mark, yeah. Mark Denny. And they're possibly... I think there was someone else involved, but I can't remember. So, Rich and Mark played in a pretty successful grunge band. Is it fair First? to... De- yeah. Yeah. Fair to describe them as grunge? I'd say so, yeah. Certainly came from that era. Yeah. Um, Turn of the millennium. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, missed, missed the grunge, nine, you know, 93, 94, maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's unfair to describe them as grunge, but they, along with Steve, what's Steve's surname? Marsh. Steve Marsh, Stevie Marsh. They toured America, I think. I think they, back in the days of proper record label deals, I think they they had one. And yeah, had quite a bit of success uh, as a band. And then I guess, oh, this is all guessing, maybe we'll get Rich on yeah, one day yeah. to tell us what the actual That'd truth of good, it. Yeah. But <clears throat> they, Mark and Rich, decided to start the old blacksmith studios or a studio which would become known as the old blacksmiths. Yeah. And originally, so we're in Hillsy right now, but back then the studio wasn't in Hillsy, it was in Fratton behind St. Mary's Church and from what I'm led to believe was in an old blacksmith's. It was in an, the old blacksmith's building. Yes. Hence so the hence the name. And I first went there as a client rehearsing with 3A Bender probably 2002 I'd say. We rehearsed in a village hall in Cow Plain and then when we made that that step up Let's go and rehearse somewhere and the blacksmiths had been set up and we knew sort of like a lot of local bands were sort of heading there. So we made that leap. Let's go to a proper rehearsal studio. So that's where I first met Rich and Mark. And then we actually ended up recording um, an EP and then eventually we did a full album there. And I just remember like that was the place to go in Portsmouth. And I remember like Jets versus Sharks recorded there and... It was kind of for us at that age, like 16, 17, it was like, yeah, going going up in our eyes, it was going up a level to a sort of a pro studio that wasn't a shed in a garden. Yeah. You know, and they were there for, must be about five. Yeah. Five so, years. So in, in that, that very early time, I, me being more of a Fairham boy, didn't quite venture to Portsmouth um we did some early stuff at the dugout in Fairham big up Jeff um but then the next I was sort of aware uh, I think I had one rehearsal at the old old blacksmiths what I I can barely remember it but the next I was aware I was uh I was in a sort of heavy band and our singer suggested recording at Blacksmiths, because it was the place to go. Which band was that? Seven Days at Knife Point. Such, <laughs> such a good name. Such a good name. So that was Kelvin. And I remember, because I was such a little recording boy, and I think maybe I'd start in university where, you know, I was learning how to be an engineer. And I was like, oh, no, you know, I want to, you know, I want to do it myself sort of thing. Um, but Blacksmiths was definitely the talk of the place to go. And then, so I guess you went off to university in yes. London. So there's a bit of a gap in when Blacksmiths next properly entered 
into our lives, really. Yeah, throughout uni, though, I was still in Three Day Vendor. Right. So I was still coming back. I wasn't rehearsing. Yeah, rehearsing. Like, on a Sunday, I'd get the train back down, rehearse, and then get the train back up. And less less frequent. You know, we were a band. We rehearsed every week. But by that point, it was kind of every other every, every few weeks or would do a rehearsal before a gig or stuff. But we were still pretty active until... 2006 I think is when we did our last gigs that was like my third year of yeah. uni so I was still and actually in that time I definitely came back and recorded the album while I was at uni Yeah. but at that point I didn't really have any kind of interest in being a an engineer or a producer or anything like that yeah. but what I do know is that when, I, when we were in the studio when we were in the old old blacksmiths I would be kind of sat next to Rich not dictating what he should do, but I was the kind of going, I'd quite like another take of that. And sort I'll of just, producing. Sort of producing, yeah, but I didn't really understand that role. I didn't know mm. what that role was. I was just like, oh, maybe the guitar could do this. Maybe this could happen. Yeah. Do these sort of things. Oh, we could do this. Um, and I, as a drummer, always been kind of fascinated with how they made drums sound so good on records. And I guess started that then then recording at the old old blacksmiths was kind of like, oh, okay, I'm now getting an understanding of what goes into it. Mm. And it kind of I guess that was the first time I was kind of got quite interested in and even the first time I sort of saw behind the scenes of a recording session. Um, then it was a, a slow path because I was actually studying classical music, classical trombone. And then, yeah. A number of years later, I now own the place. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, dear. But we'll get to that. We've got a hell of a journey before we get there, haven't we? Yeah. So, so whilst that's going on with you and Three Day Bender, I guess I've just remembered that I, <clears throat> and this is important to how I ended up at Blacksmiths, around 2003, I was starting university. I, I had a horrible gap year. Of not knowing what the hell I was doing with my life. I knew... I was knew... this between college and uni? Yeah, so I started uni in 2003, I think. Yes. yes. Same year as me, yeah. yeah but I'm a year younger. Yeah, younger. Yeah, you yeah, take yeah, a gap, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I knew it was always music. I was, you know, my dad bought a four-track tape recorder home from school when I was like 15, and I just got utterly obsessed with recording. But when the reason I took the gap year was like, I can't, I can't do that for a living can I I don't, <laughs> I don't know I just, I just need a bit of time to figure out and then did some horrible laboring jobs and was like no no I want to work in music I want to be a recording engineer and it's so good to know that's what I want to do so yeah. I'm gonna go and do it so I went to do my degree but right at the beginning of uni I actually we seven days at knife point tracked drums at the dugout okay and I then recorded with Kelvin, recorded the rest of it in our shitty little home setups. But I know that Rich heard that EP we did and was impressed with it. So I know when it came to the time when I was reaching out trying to get work, yeah. I wasn't coming from, you know, that's that's what I'd advise to sort of younger engineers, just crack on and get it done and have some evidence of what you can do. Um, to show, show people, you know, get get a foot in the door by just doing stuff. 
Anyway, I went to uni, then started a new band at university called The Dawn Chorus, which was with a bunch of my mates, but who were very talented. One of them being Paulie B, who also played in Three Day Bender, your yeah. band, Ben. Yeah. Um, and that was towards the end of university. And again, I recorded that all at the university because the university had a studio. But when I got finished university, I knew that I wanted to be a recording engineer. Or even in my last year, I was just like reaching out to studios all over the place. Um, Paulie B told me that the old blacksmiths were looking for an engineer. So then when I applied... Rich was aware of who I was from the yeah. local scene, was aware of the recordings, and he invited me in for a chat. Yeah. But in the meantime, they'd been chucked out of the old blacksmiths. Yes. Do you know much about that? As, as far as I'm aware, it's the, the building was being sold and knocked down, and they were going to build some flats on that plot of land. I, I remember hearing there might have been noise issues. So. Okay. You know, when you're in a fairly residential area, wasn't it? Yeah, there's definitely houses nearby and a church. Um, <laughs> yeah. And rock bands are quite loud. <laughs> so, fast forward to... two. I, I know it's 2006 because that's when I finished university and I judge my life by World Cup years. Yes, yeah. And that was... Germany. Germany World Cup. I literally remember driving home, like packed all my stuff out of my university house into the car, trying to get home before England. Did we play Germany in 2006? No. Uh, I can't remember. Who was in our group? Anyway, anyway, get home before an England game. Uh, So then I got invited down to where we are now, the building we're in now, which... They had moved to, but the studio... Actually, it was half open. Right. They said, so where we are now is essentially a big industrial unit, yep. isn't it? So no sound issues because yep. we are not in a residential area. Um, and they were in the process of essentially, you can imagine like an industrial unit, it's just a big empty metal shell. Yeah, so it? I mean, the only sort of structure that kind of comes with the unit is the reception being a separate thing and the toilet and then the rest is big just open floor metal walls metal ceiling you know those <clears throat> corrugated metal sort of things and some brickwork so a big old just yeah a big old empty space and rich they'd built the first, what is now called room three and it's just a little square rehearsal room but i guess they'd built that room first and rich actually had the a little recording set up in it so he was whilst trying to build the studio also demand was quite high he was still doing a lot of recording uh, i remember they were they were quite stressed they'd taken on a big old you know essentially they got chucked out of the last place taken on a big old project had kind of gone all or nothing on this industrial unit mark was the builder guy basically um and they're essentially trying to build i don't know maybe about three soundproofed rooms all of a fairly substantial size anyway i came in essentially for my interview and rich just quizzed me about recording but sort of said he was impressed with what he'd heard and would i like to come and be an engineer once you know 
but they're still finishing the studio. So in the meantime, do I want to come and grab a paintbrush <laughs> <laughs> and help them get this place up and running? And so, yes, yes, I did. It was perfect timing for me because I essentially had moved back home with my mum and dad. So I had very little responsibility financially. And then I was, yeah, essentially helping them, helping, but then one of the most traumatic days of my life. So basically, my dreams had come true. Sure. Because I I just wanted to be a recording engineer, producer. Like, I just love it. As you know, I just loved it. And my dreams had come true. I've got a job in a studio, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Quick side note, I also got offered a, a T-boy job in Psalm Studios in West London, which was Trevor Horn's studio. The yeah. producer, like Robbie Williams recorded there. It was like a big, big West London studio. So I had this decision at the same... I had to decide, and this is a real sliding... Do I make tea or do I paint? <laughs> this is a real sliding doors <laughs> moment for me. And, uh, and, it, and I, I had a long-term girlfriend back here in Portsmouth, and I and I well and that wasn't the only reason it was just part of the reason but I was like do I go for this t-boy job and be right at the bottom essentially do it the old-fashioned way where I sort of try and work my way up or do I go in as an engineer in this local studio where I know the scene I'm also at the time was very actively trying to get my band doing stuff and I knew it'd be an opportunity so that I, you know, that's the decision I make, made. We'll never know whether where it might have gone. All I know is Psalm Studios is not open anymore. So there we go. <laughs> and Trevor <laughs> Horn's wife shot their son or something mental like that. So not sure that would have worked out for me. But um, I ended up here helping helping uh, Rich and Mark try and get this place up and running. And yes, very traumatic day. All my dreams come true. And Rich was like, oh, can you just move some pots of paint? And I dropped a full pot of paint, a full pot of paint, which was coloured black. Subtle. Yeah. And I dropped the whole pot of paint on the floor of the new live room. <laughs> <laughs> and you know when something happens, you know, just like... I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I can't undo this. Rich! <laughs> I've had an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and the look, oh my God, the look on his face. How long had you been here when that happened? Days. 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 Wow. And like literally, you know. And they, they're, they're stressed anyway because it's cost a lot of money. And this is literally, it's all or nothing. This has to work for them. And I've just literally... <laughs> a new little T-boy's just dropped an entire can of black paint on the floor, which was not meant to be black. It's not going to be a black floor, no, but it ended up a black floor, and it still is to this day. <laughs> I've, boarded over, I've boarded it over with laminate now, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... It was yeah. So this was 2006, I mean, it's a long time ago, but it's still... I do remember one day you going, oh, you do know why the floor's black in here? <laughs> and I was like, no. And you went, oh, I dropped a can of black paint, so yeah. we had to go with it. Just went with it. I yeah. remember trying to... We cleared up the paint and then we were trying to, like, sandpaper it off. Ugh. 
it's just like it's not working. It's no. like all it's doing is making the floor uneven. I'm just picturing uh, Kevin in the American office bringing his chili in. <laughs> <laughs> he just drops it and he's trying to shovel it back in with clipboards and <laughs> pens and paper. Oh, yeah. Mate. yeah. So you made a good first impression. <laughs> yeah. Somehow didn't get sacked. Uh, like, you know, they just... Rich Rich had to go for a walk. I've just remembered. Ah, the walk. Mark sort of went, okay. Mark was like, okay, right. Mark took over. Rich went for a walk. Anyway, we got past that. And then I'm just trying to remember sort of slowly, but surely the, the place got up and running. And then we started having recording sessions. Yeah, I wonder what that sort of... I, I guess the when they got kicked out of the old, old blacksmiths, they were they were really building up momentum. Yeah, it was in a real spike. Like the scene was strong. Yeah, the it? alternative scene was strong, and it was yeah. mainly alternative kind rock of punk, rock metal. punk. Yeah, and to then have to vacate your premises and set something new up without being able to plan. Yeah, for a smooth transition, you're going to have this period of chaos where you 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 got to move quickly. You got to be half. You're gonna. You're not gonna be completely open, but you don't want to lose that momentum. Um, that must have been tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I say, Rich was doing recording sessions, like whilst they were still building the place. Like yeah. so. Um, and I just like without going into too much detail, it cost them a lot of money, so they were under a lot of stress. I mean, as you know, building a recording studio is not cheap. Yep. So. I guess we got to that point, though, where it was up and running and I started. I wasn't mixing at all. I, it's weird, whereas now, like, I love mixing. Like, it, it's, I would say most people would say it's the most, their favourite part yeah. of production because it's it's the fancy bit in it where you get to make everything sound nice. And But then I just, I just wasn't, I think I just, I was just more interested in recording. I think it was more interested in playing and recording. And so essentially we got into a rhythm of where I'd be a recording engineer and then pass it on to Rich to mix. But Rich was a really great mentor for me, just a really nice guy. And he just said little things that just made it all make sense. You know, when you when you first go into a studio, it can all be quite overwhelming. Yeah. And he just says things like, yeah, just think of it like a flow diagram. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, just follow the chain. And if something's not working, fix it. Yeah, and I remember you saying that to yeah, me. Yeah, passed it on. Yeah, yeah, and I've definitely said that to, to other people. You know, start at the source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I guess we bumbled on for a, for a few years. I sort of learnt my craft as an engineer. And what you don't realise is like, oh, I'm producing this as well. Nobody's asked me, but... The, the days of because what what's weird about not weird but before 2000 you just have that more traditional i guess because we were young so we don't know but i guess it was just a more didn't really have computers involved studios were very niche things that cost a ridiculous amount of money and if if a band was coming to record they were at a certain level yeah and therefore, they, if you're an engineer... If band, you're going into one of those studios, you've crossed some sort of barrier. 
yes. into someone is financing this. And there's probably a producer coming with it. Yeah, like... that old school package of, you know, as a label, they find a band, they pay for that band to go to a good studio, they employ a producer to produce that album, a mixing engineer. And now, obviously, with computers and just the advancements in technology, you, you were then able to have smaller, more local studios pop up and sort of do that. But within that, that means you kind of have to do everything. Yes. You have to do every role. Yes. And there's diff- you know, different bands would let you produce. to diff- So ba- some bands just literally like, tell us what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Uh, I've always been quite opinionated about what, what I think the song should be doing. So I guess that's just a natural sort of producer trait. Uh, but then other bands would just don't really want your opinion, which is absolutely fine. And you're just like, okay, yeah, just, just engineering. But yeah, just suddenly in the, in the hot seat, literally the hot seat because didn't have air conditioning at all. Did we? (laughs) No, it was quite a while. It's essentially. So, the current, the modern, where we are now is all air conditioned and it's downstairs and it's lovely and we'll get to that. But <clears throat> the first control room, once we'd moved to the new premises, was upstairs in this in the industrial unit that was a metal container. And then this room was essentially like a loft where it was insulated for soundproofing reasons. At the front of the building, at the south facing. Yeah. <laughs> Before about that, so, it, I, just... it was so hot. And my fir- and my first, I started in the summer of two thousand six, as we established, because of the World Cup. It was so hot. I just was so so hard to think, think straight. <laughs> and also, all my training had been on Logic. Yeah. My first, uh, my first bit of software I ever owned at home was. E-Magic, which preceded Logic. Not many people know that. Uh, that's how old I am. Then Logic. And then as soon as I came to work here as a professional, it's like Rich was like, yeah, we use Nuendo. Yeah. <laughs> which is Steinberg, which is basically Cubase. I remember three-day vendor stuff we recorded in the old, old Blacksmith yeah. was, was on Nuendo. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I've got to learn on the job. <laughs> <laughs> And we didn't have smartphones either. So it's not like I could just, in the session, Google. Which I've done. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. recommend that to any engineer. Uh, so just, but I learned so quickly because I had to. The pressure was on and I just put the hours in and suddenly got, you know, functional at using Nuendo stroke Cubase. Uh, Do you remember when they switched to Pro Tools? Yeah, let's think about this. So there was, it was originally Nuendo. I don't really know what Nuendo is. It's Steinberg and it is basically Cubase, but I don't know why it's called Nuendo. I think it was more for video, maybe, Mm. maybe Cubase. Then we we, we went to Cubase 5, again, showing my age. Uh, That feels like a classic Cubase. Yeah, I've still got a copy of it at home. I think we used it at PlayStation Basically, it's got a built-in vocal tuning tool that is just pretty good. Still stands up yeah. fairly well today. Why? I do remember when we changed Pro Tools. Whether I can't remember whether I was like, "Hey, Rich, we should," or whether Rich was like, "It's time to." Ah, I know what one of the things was. 
Pro Tools originally, because I, I get, oh, yeah, I'm no, guessing, yeah. I'm guessing, right? The reason Pro Tools is the industry standard um, is because it was maybe the first, it was the first door. And so a lot of the old boys learned how to use it. And then the old boys taught the next generation of the next generation. But for a long, long, long time, Pro Tools, you had to use Pro Tools hardware. Yeah. So without going into too much detail, the hard, essentially it's what connects to the computer and it's the interface. So it's what you plug your microphones into at a very basic level. And so Rich already had all, you know, different hardware, so it didn't make any sense. And I'm pretty sure as well it was expensive. Yes, it was, yeah. Because you had to have the software and the hardware, like it's not... Yeah, 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 you have yeah. To, the whole package and, and the hard, you know, if you're you know, in a studio, you need at least 16 channels, at least, maybe more. But then at some point, Pro Tools changed to you could use any hardware with it, and that's when Rich made the decision and we are very much pro tools boys now aren't we yeah yeah so uh, logic what i trained on and started on i'm not i bumble around on it but i don't really know what i'm doing yeah i taught myself on logic um used a bit of cubase at playstation when i worked there but coming here and it was like okay pro tools never seen it never used it before learned as i went yeah really yeah yeah it's quite alien because it is quite different it's great. Logic's like, hey, let's make a song and we'll help you. Apple, isn't it? It's yeah. Apple. And Pro idea. Tools is like, better know what you're fucking doing. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't giving you, we're good, but... <laughs> I ain't giving you any help. <laughs> you're just going to crack on, boy. Yeah. I just think of Pro Tools is like, it's just an angry machine. that's <laughs> just like, come on then. What are you going to do? Yeah. And Logic's like, hey, here's a <laughs> hey, drum loop. What a loop. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, we've got all the plugins change, already. Change the BPM, it'll just change. <laughs> So, yeah, so we're on to Pro Tools. I'm again, I'm still playing in an original band, and, and that's how I sort of really learnt my craft was obsessed with making songs with my own band, which just meant I put the hours in. And then I guess we get kind of to where you enter, and I've just realized something there's Paulie B, yeah, <laughs> has a lot to answer for, really, because without, without him going to me originally. Hey, I think Rich is looking. I might not have ended up working at Blacksmiths, and then fucking five. He's the glue that kind of holds <laughs> this city together. Five to seven years later, uh, Paulie B texts me again, going, oh, "I think Winty is uh, going to move down from London, and he's thinking about starting a studio." And uh, we we knew each other from randomly from playing in brass bands as kids. Yeah. And I, I think we like... even date back to a fourth birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Beth Beth Patterson being the, the another link, connection. The chain, yeah. Where we perhaps perhaps were both at Beth Patterson's. Yeah. But we, we grew up close to each other but separate different school zones. Yeah. So we did go to different schools, but Paul played in the brass bands and then stuck with it with me. And then that was the glue that... Yeah, he, and it was in Three Day Bender, but was also in my band, yeah. Dawn Chorus, because me and Paul went to school together as well. Yeah. But anyway, because then he said to me, he mentioned that you were talking about cover. So I, I think I maybe just messaged you saying, Look, I'll, I'll speak to Rich. I, we're looking for someone else to come in. Do you want to come in and yeah. essentially do what I did, you know? Yeah. So I did a classical music degree trombone and then 
just as I graduated, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was doing freelance work, but I, I'd kind of lost a bit of the passion for trombone by the end of my degree because it was quite intense. And then a friend of mine was like, he worked for PlayStation. He was like, oh, we're looking for someone else. So I had an interview and I started at PlayStation the week before I graduated. And I was like, this is great. I've just got a job, full-time job paying. And it was working on a game called SingStar. And for that, you had to be a musician. And I had to, <coughs> they were like, do you have any knowledge of, you know, Cubase and MIDI and things like that? And I said, yes, I, did, I didn't really. But I had, I'd used Logic a tiny bit of uni, but eh. So I just said, Everyone yeah. And uh, so I was using Cubase a bit at work. And there were some other guys in the audio department who were very keen, who were musicians, who were keen on sort of... Um, recording and they a friend of mine John who I went to uni with and worked with a PlayStation he was an incredibly talented uh musician and songwriter and this was at the period you know this is 2007 8 where home recording equipment started to become affordable and like Macs became powerful enough to sort of handle you know for, for use at home to record and he just was writing and recording his own stuff at home. And from that, I I played a few live shows with him with his stuff. And from that, I kind of got into it. Plus, I still had been in bands, you know, Friday Bender. And, and, and from being recording at the old, old blacksmiths, I put those two things together of like, oh, I liked producing my own bands. Oh, and I'm quite, I still want to know how they make drums sound so good. And actually, oh, my friend's got this recording equipment at home. Maybe I could do something similar and so i got myself a, a cracked version of logic 7 from my mate jeff I, I i bought a guitar and i just started writing stuff at home and i wrote my own songs just to really kind of <laughs> give myself something to get used to using logic and practicing and and then i kind of thought i got to a point at playstation i was like i think i want to leave and go back to portsmouth and go back to being a musician. And one of the things was, yeah, and I'd quite like to set up my own studio because I'm really enjoying this, uh, using Logic and, and producing music. And so I actually, moving back, Paul was looking for a housemate and the timing kind of worked out. But essentially when I moved back, I was going to go and move in with Paul and a few of his friends. Um, and that's obviously when I'd explained to him what my sort of goal was for moving back. That's when he spoke to you and then you got in touch with me and Rich got in touch with me and said, and I think initially it was, it was, oh, rather than set your own studio up, do you want to come like work here? Maybe like invest in the blacksmiths and yeah. sort of become a part of, of the blacksmiths. And I guess, you know, Rich didn't want a, a rival. Well, I think at that time, so we had a good few years in the new thing, but they they were just always up against it financially because this unit is very expensive and to build it all was just very expensive and maybe we'll get rich in what it would be great to get rich in and get his yeah, side. yeah but i think maybe it was doomed financially from the moment they got kicked out of the old old blacksmiths so it kind of felt like this place had got to a point where it doesn't matter how many bands come through the door, just can't chip away at that deficit. Yeah. And it coincided maybe 
the noughties was just such a great peak time for bands like alternative punk metal which was absolutely the niche of this place and maybe that had just started to wane towards the end of the noughties there was maybe more competition locally whereas when we were younger blacksmith was like top of the tree in the ports of area yeah and i think as well it was it was a proper sort of studio and it was run by young guys yeah and three day bender had recorded before we went to the blacksmiths and it was a bloke in his 50s in his shed at the garden and it it, it was fine mm. but it wasn't this was like oh we've got some young guys who've been in alternative bands yeah. who understand the scene they're current and, yeah. and young so that was very appealing and, yeah. and by this by the time you're entering yeah mark's now a silent partner he's he's essentially moved on with his life um, because I think Mark had decided that he just wasn't an engineer, didn't want, he wasn't passionate. You've got to be passionate about it. You just have, like, yeah. I've just got it. I don't know what, why, but I love it. And he'd moved on. And Rich, yeah, he he knew you were really good uh, and wanted you in, but he also didn't want you to start a rival studio, you know, and like you said, wanted to see if you wanted to come in as a partner because yeah. that he... They were struggling. To, yeah, to not stack. to be like gauche about it, but like I, I had some money, so and I think maybe maybe it was an assumption. Oh, if he's starting a studio, he might have some capital, or I don't know if that word got round because I was leaving a quite a good job, and but I think that he 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 knew that beforehand, so kind of. I guess essentially it was like, can it be a win-win? Yeah. scenario yeah. for everyone yeah. can he keep the blacksmiths going and can i get out of it what i was yeah. kind of looking to do and this is yeah like 2011 this is when i i moved back to portsmouth um and i'd out of the ashes of three-day bender came betamax so some of the three-day bender guys and we had a couple of other guys join and we came and tracked drums here with you and then I did everything else at home in my bedroom in Portsmouth. And it was kind of like 80s synth pop indie stuff. And I did it all and I didn't really know what I was doing. But I think what I didn't lack technically, I, I was, I'm just, I'm good at music. I think it's fair to say. So I was, I could kind of knew what I want. I just didn't know exactly how to get there. So it was a lot of trial and error. But I remember them playing that record to you and rich and you know you guys thought it was okay so rich then at the time i think someone someone here who uh, babysat was leaving so it started off as like well before you commit to anything like financially or anything like that do you want to just come and look after rehearsals on thursday nights we call that babysitting babysitting you'll hear that word a lot so it's just when bands are rehearsing someone don't have to be particularly qualified (laughs) comes in and just makes sure the bands are fine yeah deals with the bands arrivals exits takes the money so you know all that sort of stuff um so i just started doing that like i think it was thursdays evenings and then that became like i did thursdays and sundays and then i added an extra evening and then yeah i finished the beatmax record and then rich was like oh do you want to start doing some engineering i'd also done some stuff with you where like well hang on so did you track the betamax drums here yeah and you didn't work here was this just so 
You came paid. in as a client. As a client, yeah. And I tracked You tracked the, the drums. drums. I took them home and edited them at home. Did yeah. I show you how to beat Detective? Yeah, on that. Because on that record. What just this is interesting stuff to me because I'd I'd record essentially Betamax was a mixture of sort of metal rock but with electronics. No, that's Mordecai. What what, what Betamax was with Simps. Yeah, yeah. But how would you describe Betamax? 80s then? synth. Okay. Pop, but, but there was a metal. Was a... I can remember one which was quite metal. Yes, that, yeah. But okay. we had a real combo of real drums and electronic drums. Yes. And why I, I'd recorded a few bands, a band called The Exits, who were sort of a Pompey indie band, but mixing with electronic, quite into Kasabian. And in my early days of engineering, I was like, how do you, you've got these really precise synthesizer arpeggiator synths. And then these, these sloppy, not sloppy, but these these very live human sound, drums, human <laughs> drums with too much feel. There we go. That's a nice <laughs> one. How do I lock them in together? And I learnt essentially Pro Tools has. We'll get onto this more in another episode. But Beat Detective, which is where you can slightly manipulate the timing of a live drummer, and and so I showed you in the session because that was very relevant to. Betamax, wasn't it? To tie yeah, those electronics yeah. in with the live drums. But you didn't work here at that time. No. That's right. Okay. No. No, and I think I remember because I, Logic had something similar, but it was called like Flex Time. Yeah. And I can't remember if... I remember you showed me Beat Detective and I was like, yes, please. Yeah, I, I remember you being like... And I, and I liked this because it's why we connected because most people just would be like, yeah, whatever, get on with it. Yeah. But, but, but I you was then, like, you showing me that, I was like, I'm a step closer now to getting to yeah. getting the drum sound. Yes, and I could see it. I you want. were like, yes, <laughs> wow. I was like, yes, please, I want that. I want that done on everything. Yeah. So I don't know whether we actually then did that in the session or whether I then took home. And I reckon real- you came back. Yeah, I probably did. And we did some sessions where you sat there and I just... Yeah. I'm going to make a suggestion. Because we've reached maybe a natural point, yeah, where you've got your. We're at the studio together, yes, and we've rambled on for quite a long time, yeah. And I'm just wondering whether this is a two-parter. Oh, definitely, that's definitely a um, good idea. So, is it a good place? To I think so. Yeah. Say we, we've essentially gone from 2000 to 2011. To yeah, that. yeah. Um, that's a good call. And Neil and Ben have. Are both employees of the old, the, the new old blacksmiths. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we'll be back with part two to cover from, I guess, yeah, 2011, to the, ne- the next 20, 10 years. The next 11 years. 11 years. We've done 11 years, let's do the next 11 yeah. years, so it's up to 2022. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, um, oldblacksmiths.com, that's our website. Uh, if you don't know who we are, if you do know who we are, thanks for listening. Um. You can check out, there's there's a showreel of loads of stuff we've done. Social media, Instagram, Twitter, we're all on there. Um, but yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.